Welcome to a new episode of Book Lovers Companion. Our guest in this episode is Claire Ashton, romance writer of, as of today, six books. Mm -hmm. The latest one is Finding Jessica Lambert, which I have already read and so has the teacup. And I also have read, except for the first one, all the others. And I have to admit, I have read After Mrs. Hamilton three times. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Because I liked it so much. I, I liked especially one of the plot lines. That's why I read it three times. But I also enjoyed your Poppy Jenkins. Excellent. Especially these days, it makes you smile all the way because she's such a positive character. And I've also found out about your German translations of two of your books. Mm -hmm. But before we start with your books, let's talk about The Elephant in the Room. I don't try to be offensive, to be honest, but what is it about the leak? About what? The leak. And Wales. Wales. Wales well, and the leak. Yeah, what, what is the significance of the leak? Yes. You know, I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Why do we have the leak? Why is it the symbol of... Um, you know, There we stand, St. David. And why did every year, you know, I used to go, people would put on a real leak, safety pins, their shirts at school, and, and, and the school classrooms were just reeked of kind of oniony smell. And I, yeah, I never <laughs> asked why, what's with the leak? Daffodils <laughs> 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 are much more. It smells a lot nicer, so it was either you wore a daffodil or a leek. And, and still, I don't, I really must look that up. It's just one of those things I grew up with. That's what the world was. March the 1st, you, you wore a leek or a daffodil and, you know, it's life, you know. <laughs> I really need to look it up. I did it. I looked it up a bit and it says uh, it was something about a battle which happened in a leek field and the soldiers had to put on a leek to identify themselves. Right. Don't know if it's true. So I was hoping you could, I don't know, verify that or not. And I'm really curious now. <laughs> <laughs> Because like I said, it is just one of those things I grew up with unquestioningly. That's just what you did every year. And not a clue why. And the other one, the other explanation I found was that leek and daffodil is the same word in Welsh. Right. I can't remember my Welsh well enough to know that one. So, I mean, I had English parents, but I grew up in Wales. So I was second language Welsh and I've forgotten an awful lot of it, you know. It was, a, it was compulsory to study Welsh up until what was O-levels at the time, so 16. So I, I used to speak it very badly. But it's gone very quickly, unfortunately. Okay. Just something that popped in my head. And I thought since you grew up in Wales, I might be able to ask you and you could answer that for us, for our German and Austrian listeners, as well as our American listeners. I find it, I always find it most curious when we watch rugby, for example, and, and people are waving their, their leaks. And so you wonder. Um <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I mean, most most of them probably have no idea why either. You know? <laughs> it's just what you do in Wales. <laughs> yeah, because you're Welsh, you just yeah. Okay. <laughs> Although I have to say, I found I found the dragons, the dragon heads, very mm -hmm. cute. They're very cute. Yeah, Wales has the best flag. It really yeah. does. Yes. So it's when you're little, it's it's a bit of a pain because all the other countries, nice lines, colour those in. For <laughs> your country, it's a nightmare. <laughs> But it looks great. Yeah. So that was me for the first part. Over to the chattering teacup. I think she has quite a few questions for you. I have to start. Okay. What I find interesting in your books, as far as I've read, is that often in romance novels, there's at the beginning, there are quite a few characters. And after some time, the storyline just draws to two people. Whereas in your books, um, there's a quite a quite a lot, a big group of supporting characters, very interesting one and funny ones. They really bring the story forward. Is that something you wanted to do, or it just just happens how the story goes for you? Yeah, it's, I, 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 still, I haven't got the hang of writing romances, I think. I always seem to be... You know, I, I missed the formula. I mean, the first books I wrote, Penance and After Mrs. Hamilton, they, they were written as well, just stories um, with a bit of mystery in. I always love a love story, actually, more than a romance. It doesn't have to have a happy ending for me, but um, they tended to in the books, kind of. But you know, I, I love stories which have that emotional roller coaster. So I, I guess, guess I've never really set out originally to... To write romances, but that—that's the, the closest fit genre 
initially, and I've tended to uh, write happier ones recently and more more towards that happy ever after formula. But I still, yeah, I, I love the supporting characters. I I do like the ensemble cast kind of books as well, where there are not just the the two heroines. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of that in, in films and in books. And yeah, I, older women, particularly in books, I love I love the kind of uh, those personalities. Somebody who's lived a long time, seen many things, always makes a great character. And I love writing from their perspective. You have a lot of freedom, I think. You know, when mm-hmm. a woman tends to get older, she loses her inhibitions and can say what she damn well wants at that age. and <laughs> doesn't care really well. So they tend to make really quite fabulous characters who've, you know, been around the block a few times, see, seen it and have a nice unique perspective on the world so they they make great characters and yeah I I particularly like family dramas and family settings so I I always want to go into the the heroine's background I think so I I do love families and that always their absence or presence moulds people so much Um, I always find that a fascinating aspect of books so I I think I I do tend to put a lot of emphasis on the side characters and family characters more than many romance novels I think so but it's just a facet I enjoy so much it makes it more interesting for the reader if there are more characters and the story is more complex people are very different people to different other different people I mean especially with your family you regress to what you were like when you were little always or, or they <laughs> eventually your relatives wear you down because they keep seeing you as the, the you know the young girl who you know ran around naked when you were two and you can never really get past that so it, it, it brings out different sides of um, a character I think in real life and in books so I find that very interesting because um, people are never the same person to everyone so I'd I'd like that, that you can see them from a different perspective, I think. And do you plan your stories meticulously? Because I think on Twitter I saw a picture you took about, uh, with your notebooks. Mm-hmm. So before you start typing your stories, do you plan out all the chapters, the characters and the storyline? Or does it also is it also the case that some events just happen to you or some character just happened to you? Yeah, I... I'm definitely not cancer who just sits down and starts writing and sees where it goes. I, I do think about the plot and I like to have a, a an idea of the shape of the story and I'll write reams of notes. There'll be snippets of dialogue, the odd scene. If I've got an idea for a scene, I'll jot that down. So actually, I probably have my first draft is a load of notes that have lots of gaps. I think and then once I've got a really good feel for it I'll start writing them but I I, yeah, I can't plan right down to the chapter level some people do actually they will have the chapter the heading what's to be covered and, and it's quite filling just filling in the blanks which is amazing I, I wish I could be that organised actually but uh, so I do have a very good idea of character arcs um, any twists the, um, the the shape of the structure but I, but it will change because once you start going into detail and really start to hear your characters and get them on the page it does change and uh, you, I, I find that it's best if I'm open to that and I might need to replan and things but that's no, usually no big deal and I, well, a couple of the books as well they had such intertwining stories between the characters it had to be planned it wasn't the kind of book like after Mrs Hamilton and the Goodmans both had were ensemble pieces so that all they had to be threaded together so I needed to have a good overview of those the last one actually is probably the one that I had to feel my way through most of all actually but but that was because it focused on the two characters more than usual. So I had to go in deep with those characters. So I just had to get to know them better while writing it, I think, more than the plot driven. So actually, the the, yeah, the last one, Finding Jessica Lambert, was the one that I've had to sort of just feel my way through more than the others. Mm. And are you also the kind of author who always keeps a notebook with her and listens in on other people's conversations? Uh, I've always scribbled down. <laughs> yeah, I scribble things on whatever's to hand. I wish I was organised to have that or notebook on me but it's it's I, I grab you know it's on the back of shopping list which I'll then throw away by accident <laughs> I, I've written uh, the, the worst one was I, I grabbed uh, a piece of paper I thought was blank and wrote some notes about a sex scene on the back of it it was a worksheet for my son's homework so that that had to very you know that <laughs> Sorry, I've ruined your homework. You're going to have to explain to your teacher that it, 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 it's lost. It's just lost. <laughs> <laughs> the dog ate it. Yep, the dog was it. It was a dog or the cat or whoever. You can't. No, you yeah. can't really say at school. Oh, my mom just wrote a sex scene on my. 
But he could have handed it in the way it was. Would have been interesting. Yeah, definitely. That would have really been interesting. And may I ask you also a question about your publishing? Am I correct to assume that you uh, publish your books independently or uh, let's just say self, yourself? As they are self-published. Or am I completely wrong? No, no, it's self-published. Um, yes, and um, Ilva do the um, German translations, which is really handy. And I'm really pleased that they wanted to pick those up. And what would you say... What are the pros of being a self-publishing author and what are the cons of being a self-publishing author? I suppose the pros, I mean, I, I initially, gosh, it's getting on for about 10 years ago, actually, that I, I did try sending pedants after Mrs. Hamilton to agencies, but there was, there was not very much interest in mainstream publishing in women-loving women, lesbic stories at that time. It's changed massively um, by now, especially in YA. But then the, the romance, um, lesbic romance, publishers didn't want to pick up after Mrs. Hamilton, which is, yeah, I can see their point of view. Actually, it's not a typical happy ever after formula romance either. So that I decided I wanted to publish. And I had quite a lot of good feedback from agencies saying this is nice writing and great writing, good story, but I can't fit it, you know, place it very well. So I had lots of encouragement. Um, so I thought, well, why not just try it? And I'm really glad I did because um, they, they sold well and that means that I can be a part-time writer. But also, it's fortunate in a way because there are a load of pros. It's hard work and you don't have the support of a publisher, which would be very, very nice at times. But it does mean that I can write these odd little stories sometimes and I don't have to, and the publisher doesn't tell me that I can't publish it or need to change it. I can stick with that weird little story and that people would think is nicely different. And also I, I can publish when I want as well. If I, Once it's finished, as it goes, while my head's still in it, I can answer lots of questions, write articles about it. I don't have to wait and schedule for all the other authors who've been scheduled for that year. So they're There are a lot of very, very nice pros as well. Mm, yeah, I can see that. And you have to do also the promotion for yourself. So do you exclusively use, let's say, social media like Twitter or Facebook or have you other kinds of promoting your work? It's um, traditional so far. Social media has been brilliant. It's there, there's very, Facebook has lots of groups for um, lesbian and women-loving women books. People seem to know each other quite well in the genre. Uh, people recommend work to each other in, in these groups so it tends to work well in this quite small genre I think the things may change it would be nice to get a wider audience all, all around the genre so that I'm always open to and listening for changes in what I need to do but even if you're with a, a small lesbian publisher in this genre you have to do your promotion anyway that mm. they don't have big marketing budgets mm, yeah True. And may I come back to your After Mrs. Hamilton book? Mm -hmm. You state on your website, uh, readers either loved it or hate it. Which is more? Gosh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> They? there could be lots of people out there absolutely hated it <laughs> some of them have said so very very vividly <laughs> reviews and things but yeah I mean there's a whole load of people who don't know what to make of it there, there's some people who are delighted that it's so different and makes them think and it is a different storyline so and and actually there's some people who have it as a comfort reread as well which is a surprise I've heard from these couple of people who say they just love the Fran and Chloe scenes and that hidden quiet world with us those two <laughs> so it's yeah it has the most um, broad range of reactions to it out of all my books. Uh, may I ask what what are the reasons that some people hate it? Because I can't think of anything. Well, I mean, the, the, the two sisters plot line is ah, yeah, a okay. traditional romance <laughs> reader wants to see, but it's, that is not it's not a romance though. It's, it has romantic threads to it, but it wasn't written in any way as it's a love story rather than a formula romance. I suppose that element of it Okay. And um, some people hate that part, fair enough, but then it isn't, I mean, the cover of it, you, you can see is kind of like, that's not a fluffy romance, really. <laughs> it's kind of black cover with a sort of mysterious woman. So I suppose it, uh, people go and, in this genre a lot, that people do tend to read with a lot of preconceptions and expectations, I find. It's very trope-driven. People have um, their taste, whether it's butch or femme, and you find that people dismiss a book because of very, very um, subjective tastes, which I find a bit frustrating at times because um, you might be rejecting a story which is so interesting, but it's not the right flavour. Depends why you read, I suppose, why you've picked up a book. 
so I can understand that. But uh, so, you, would you say that readers of lesbian romance expected to be a romance more than a love story? Even less um, lesbian crime writers will always uh, there'll be a lot of you saying, you know, where was the love scenes in this? Where are the sex scenes? And and I think it's the, the genre as a whole, even if it's a crime or mystery story, there's an expectation that there's a romance in there, which is a shame. I think that um, a lot of crime writers get poor reviews because the sex scene's missing. And, uh, <laughs> and pity. Yeah, would it be better, do you think, to make such combinations, female-female romance, more mainstream? Because I think that was also Marihanna's intention or her wish to make it more mainstream because her Kate Daniels series includes, or her main character, Kate Daniels, is a lesbian. And we know that she's, or she has a relationship with a woman and it's not the main thing though the main thing is crime. the crime story yeah yeah it would be I, I think it's very slowly happening I think there are more just characters in a book who happen to be a lesbian I think which is a, a nice thing to see I think it's slowly happening and it's it's the kind of book that I quite like reading a lot actually that it it's just a good great story that it might be crime or it might be mystery or something and there's uh, lesbian characters in there so yeah I hope that more of that does happen Yeah, we hope so too, actually. Yeah. <laughs> And I would say Bobby Jenkins would make a very nice rom-com. Yes. <laughs> I don't suppose there, ha there have been any offers yet. No. <laughs> ah, that's unfortunate, to be to be honest. And is the element of humor very important for you to integrate it in your stories? Yeah, I, I want to about that because I, I do some, another thing that some people really like about my books and some people really stop, can't handle is that there, there's a, a mixed, very mixed tone of there. There'll be um, sort of yeah, sort of comic relief in there, but also really quite serious poignant moments as well and I love that mix in stories but other people don't they prefer more even tone throughout you know is this a light-hearted book or is this a serious kind of angsty book but maybe not the mix but I think there's kind of a, a A British element there, maybe, that you only can take yourself seriously for so long and then you've got to joke, joke about it and, and move on, really, which I think is quite a British culture thing, to not take yourself too seriously in the end. So you, you throw some humour in there to lighten the moment, perhaps. As you mentioned before, I, I think that uh, your books, with one book to the next, have become a bit more lighter overall. And I also think that uh, Wales happens to pop up more in the later stories than in the beginning. Yeah. Was this intentional or? No, actually, I can't remember. <laughs> well, I suppose, but bizarrely, Poppy Jenkins started off that, actually, I wanted to write a crime novel of a person going back home to their Welsh upbringing, which, you know, which I could, and it was going to be set in winter and it was going back to a, a small Welsh village that was introverted and there's a crime there and the, the, the main character's a bit an outcast. And I just couldn't get my sort of heart into it because uh, I didn't want to do that. I wanted to go home and it'd be nice. So I completely flipped over every aspect of it, um, had someone who was already there and loved it, set it in summer, made it a romance. And, and it was just a really nice trip down memory lane rather than this, this frosty crime story instead. And I just wanted to have fun with it going home. But, So I, my parents do still live in Wales and I, I visit there, well, ordinarily I visit there often. And that's, I grew up there until, well, up to 18 and then university. So I was half out there by then. But then I've lived in England since. But, but yeah, I don't know why I left it quite so long to go back to Wales in a book. But when I did, yes, I wanted to have fun there. So apart from the story that changes uh, during the writing, do you develop your characters fully before starting or uh, develop they as you go along? Half and half, I think. I have a, have a good idea of what kind of character they are. You, you tend to discover more layers to them as you go along through your first draft, I find. Um, that That's the bit that you, I find you've got to be open to, is finding your, it's, it's the characterization, the different levels of their characterization you find out in that first first draft for me I can't plan all of that uh, and that's part of the fun of that first draft as well is getting to know them and then I'll probably have to go back in the uh, subsequent drafts to make it more consistent because they do change as I've gone through so no I can't plan the whole of the characters and since you mentioned you actually thought Bobby Jenkins would be a crime novel that was what I wanted to write originally yes yes and is it still there on the table do you still think of writing a crime novel with lesbian characters yes I do I'm trying to plan one at the moment but I, I'm the, the, 
trouble is that I, I want to write this ang- very um, atmospheric crime novel again. But I get to the point where I think, oh, I just want to write something happy. <laughs> <laughs> so this is trouble. I, I, I would really like to write this one. This one would be set in Wales as, as well, actually. Maybe I'm just harking back to that previous attempt. But yeah, the call of a nice sunny romance like that, you know, it, it, it's pulling me a bit as well. Yeah, well, you could always make it a combination of both. Call it a cosy crime. Which would she prefer? All right. You can go grizzly and I don't know bloody with me. <laughs> the other the other part, the cozy part is for her. So you have your audience, don't worry. I'm not too bad. Have you ever thought of other genres, let's say sci-fi or her uh, his his Historic novels you would like to write? I don't, yeah, I don't tend to think of sci fi stories and also historic, maybe recent historic perhaps is a more interest, um, sort of 20th century and, and, but not so much before that. I, I do. I, I tend to stick yeah with contemporary. Um, although I, what I do like in those contemporary novels is people remembering their past. I do like having those vivid trips down memory lanes of little bit pieces. I do like that. So I suppose that's where the while I, I yes, yeah, a recent historic historic would interest me. Which you brought out in the Goodmans, didn't you? Yeah. It was also after Mrs. Hamilton, but more so I would say in the Goodmans, mm. especially the the relationship between the two elderly. Uh, women and it was quite interesting to read this storyline and I was blown away when she Mrs. Goodman when she revealed uh, what happened in the past which was quite oh interesting uh hmm and no sci-fi but but as as a reader do you stay or do you also stay with contemporary uh, books with contemporary romance or do you have interest also in other genres? I, I suppose I, I, I always have romance on the go um, women loving women that always um, but then uh, other, I will also have other books on the go like I suppose my, my favourite is contemporary not literary stories more but very well written books which have a bit of mystery and a bit of love story in it or, or family genre so someone like perhaps Leanne Moriarty who has a bit of everything in there and, and, and humour so they're quite difficult books to categorise I mean they're, they're just good, good stories very well written I think whereas I don't tend to read that many just plain literary characterization books I like the plot I, I, I <laughs> You know, I want something to happen as well as it being very well-developed characters. I, I want everything, basically, when I read. When we started our conversation, we dove right in into your book. So I would like to take a few steps back and ask you how it all started for you, actually. Did you start with writing stories just for yourself or did you write, let's say, fan fiction? I think it's in my 20s, I started writing a few short stories, actually. Um, and that was just for myself because I, I, I just wanted to write them. Um, I, was, I was quite a creative kid, write, writing comics and things like that when I was little. But then, you know, you, you, you have studies and university and you're too busy to write, usually. Um, so it's about my yeah, maybe late 20s, I started writing short stories. And uh, I, I was living in a shared house with lots of blokes, actually, lots of men. And they... <laughs> They just they read them and they weren't at all impressed with all these stories about the strong, willful women and who found other women in, in romances and stuff. But so it was I stopped after a while. I didn't have any success getting them published, the short stories in magazines or anything, although I had great fun writing them. And then then I hit on the idea for after Mrs. Hamilton and I just thought, I really want to write this. I, I want, I'm gonna have a go at a novel. And by that point as uh, married to my wife now and she was probably the first woman or lesbian to read them my stories and uh, she would say well oh this is this is really good I like this this is like proper books you can actually write because I mean <laughs> scribbling away with typing away this story and I said will you read it and she looked horrified because she thought <laughs> oh, so, well, I'm gonna have to be polite and <laughs> <laughs> but now she was really surprised but that was the first really encouraging feedback I got so I, I carried on with that so that that's the yeah, long-winded version of how I started I find it most interesting and also that you have worked as a editor is that correct I was a production editor or copy editor rather than a literary or commissioning editor but I suppose it did help with your writing. Yeah, I suppose so. But I, I, I look back now and think I must have been a dreadful copy editor because my spelling and grammar is, you know, does need a, a work after 
I've done this actually. So I very uh, um, apologies to people I've copy edited in the past and might not have been so good. <laughs> <laughs> and have you also been you've won quite a few awards? And have you also been to conventions in the United States where they have those big things? for the awards for lesbian writers? Have you been there? No, I've never been to any of the conventions in the States. It would be nice to go to Lambda ones or the um, Golden Literary Society mm. ones. But no, yeah, it's, it's too expensive. But mm. Usually I've got two, two kids as well, so it's difficult to manage mm. logistically because I'm, I'm kind of... I'm, right part time and then I take the kids to school and bring them home and help them with the homework I'm just find the mum at home as well so it's tricky yeah. to get away <laughs> yeah I can understand it and I also wanted to ask you do you have a role model as a writer no I mean, there are a lot of tons I admire and I imagine I kind of um, pick up things that I like about their writing as well subconsciously it's hard not to but writers that I, I really admire definitely Leon Moriarty for kind of just combining every element of a story in so well I did a Finnish writer who I, I don't know how to pronounce her name it's Toby Anson I don't know how to pronounce it um, she wrote she did kids book for Moomin books but she also did adult uh, books like the summer book and she writes in a very simple uh, you know very simple way but um, very beautiful way very poetic way and I just adore her books and her th the summer book is my probably my favorite ever book and I've read it several times and I can I'll, I could read it just on repeat I think when I get to the end <laughs> it's, it's one way it's as tale about grandmother and granddaughter on a Finnish island during the summer and it's just a, a beautiful break away from the world it's funny and poignant and just perfect and you also mentioned before the importance of young adult fiction or that lesbian characters are more prominent in in young adult fiction nowadays. Is it something you would like to write or do you have plans to write an adult fiction novel? I don't have plans at the moment, but I, I do like reading YA books um, in general. So I, I certainly wouldn't rule it out. It's just a matter of if a story occurs to me, then I would definitely go for it. Because, I mean, I have the kids who are seven and nine, but I tend to read them books for nine to 12 year olds at, um, for family story time at night time. And they're terrific books in that age range. And I can't wait to get onto the young adult ones as well, a little bit older. So um, yeah, I, I don't have any qualms about reading or writing fiction, which has children as the protagonist. And, and most of these books are, it, it's surprising the reading age For a lot of kids' book, actually, is it's actually quite high. I mean, these aren't kind of books which are simple in the slightest. They're just as well written as a or complex, not well written, it's much more just as complex as books for adults. Actually, they just happen to have kids as the protagonist. So, no, I, I, I love kids' books and YA books. You shouldn't underestimate your audience. Is isn't that true? I mean, although they are they are younger, they can grasp the ideas and they can go along with the books or the storyline. Yeah, very much so. And kids soak up vocabulary so quickly you know they're, they're not they're not scared of big words anywhere they'll just you know either guess and or pick it up or ask and that's what they're used to yeah true sometimes when i look through book recommendations i'm astonished um that a, uh, a lot of very interesting storylines are actually young adult fiction books mm -hmm. i don't know why but they're very interesting it's a much more diverse market than some of the romance um, genres um, is a more diverse readership I think so I think they can take more risks with it and do more interesting things so. which brings me to another question what about your audience do you have a big audience as well in the United States yeah I mean that's where the um, lesbian or women loving women um, romance audience really that's where your main sales are for everyone I think and then and another good portion is in the UK um, what's What after that? Um, so, yeah, the my, the reach it that I hear from will be more than half, can actually, and then maybe a third UK, and then maybe Germany next, and Australia. So that that, that that's the the meat of the sales. Did you get any feedback from your American readers about any of the storylines or plot lines or anything? Yeah, there's a lot of readers. Well, some readers um, will trip over kind of Britishisms and they're sort of 
<laughs> English spelling even you do get the other <laughs> that tells you just how desperately poor your spelling is because you've you know <laughs> all everywhere. <laughs> but a lot of readers like the flavor of a, you know a different country and different idioms and different phrases and it's yeah a nice flavor to the book and or people might have favorite British shows on the TV and it's nice kind of to have a flavor of rom-com that's um full of lesbians <laughs> as well so, so um is British books something somehow exotic to the Americans but, but familiar as well I suppose because British TV kind of is quite prominent so I think they might have a have an expectation of what Britain is like sometimes mm. that might be from <laughs> some old-fashioned TV program so and do you change your cover for them no you can't you are a self-publisher you don't have two covers do you for your books you have just one cover yeah yes, very, very much so and I I, I suppose um, a fairly uncompromising with the language of the book that they're they're mostly British characters so they will speak in British ways with British terms and I I, I don't simplify it and I, I I hope readers will just kind of guess what a word means or, or a product might be just from the context rather than get you stumped by it. Yeah, but so then some readers have said that they like that, that there isn't any dumbing down of it or over explanations about it. Well, um, or, you know, that you don't spell out what the NHS is for another country because you wouldn't say what the FBI was if you're writing an American book. So, yeah, true. true. Yeah, and, the, and the reader can always look it up. So if we can get it in Austria, they can get it, definitely. Yeah, it's interesting what you said about the dumping down because that's what, what C.A. Farlow said when I interviewed her for the podcast and she wrote this uh, trilogy, a science fiction trilogy about parallel universes and she got feedback that said uh, the readers were glad that she didn't dump down the science. Mm. And I think that's, that's okay with me. You don't have to understand each and every word and each and every concept. Yeah, um, that's how I read as well. Well, it's kind of it generally, yeah. You can, <laughs> if you if, if if it's hurting your brain, you're not in the mood. You can kind of skip over a few things and get the gist of the story. Yeah, exactly, absolutely <laughs> right. Do you have any advice for aspiring authors? Goodness, um, <laughs> <laughs> I find this with writing um, or um, or anything to do with publishing. As soon as I think I know something well enough to give advice, or I I find that the the rule no longer holds. <laughs> So um, I suppose write what you really want to read always. People do tend to look at the market quite a lot, but markets move so quickly and tastes move so quickly that by the time it's out, it might not be what the market wants anyway. So to write the books you want that you want to want to write. She asked me about the, the second or the last book, the latest one, the Jessica Lambert book about uh, one or yeah. the other characters. No, um, the question. Yeah, because somewhere I read that people asked you about Jessica Lambert being autistic. And I wondered if you intentionally wrote her that way or if you with uh, autism in, in your in the back of your mind or if you just wrote it that way and didn't think about it. I don't, I don't, I, she's definitely written as um, what would be termed high-functioning autistic woman. That's, I mean, initially I think I had an idea that she would just be kind of an introverted, quiet character but the more I went, that's that's again yeah, part of the characterization as I went through it that that made more sense for her um, and that's who she seemed to be. So that's definitely intentional. Well, it's a, a very strange question maybe and the, the skin color of one of your characters in Finding Jessica Lambert. She's a woman of color. Mm -hmm. Did you do that as well intentionally? It was, it was the inspiration for Jess, Jessica and for most of the book actually was um, I was reading a an article on, on the web about pop star Rihanna and including there was a picture of her she was in Paris and she was driven in a car or with a driver and she was surrounded by fans the photo was taken of her inside the car and there were fans hands pressed against the windows and, and I just thought this looked terrifying and uh, then I had the, the, the that well, that was the inspiration for it it's like what about a megastar who is totally unsuited to fame mm. and, and actually terrified by this kind of attention so that was the inspiration for Jess. So um, that was the strong visual for it. And I, I did wonder whether I should be writing a character who's a person of colour, especially as a main character, because I haven't before. Um, there have been supporting characters who were, but I decided I should go ahead with it because it was going to be set in London. Well, there were a lot of reasons for it, mainly the inspiration. I didn't want to whitewash that. Were, were you worried about any backlash because of that? Because you are obviously not a woman of colour. Yeah, I mean, I, it is something I, I thought about for a long time and, and still am not 
not sure whether I should should be writing that or not, because there are authors of colour or readers of colour who say, don't, if it's particularly a main character, you should be staying away from it. But at the same time, uh, you want your books to be representative of the world as it is now, because many books haven't been. And if you just have supporting characters who are not mm-hmm. white, then it, in a romance particularly, they are going to be token characters the whole time, because it's usually the, the main pair who you go into any depth. And I mean, there are other authors of colour who say, no, do write your main characters, not always white, please, because <laughs> I want to write those books as well. And I want you to normalise having a much more diverse set of characters so readers aren't shocked when it's not just wall-to-wall white people. So people have different opinions about this. And what my decision for me at the moment, I mean, it might change depending on feedback on the book. You know, have I done such an awful job of it that I really need to stay away from that? Or get better, a lot better. But my my approach to it is that I want my books to be representative of where and when they're set with kinds of people in it. In all ways, I think I tend to have more male characters in my books than men, so a lot of lesbic actually, because I that I find it because I like the family element, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And at the age range as well, I quite like writing older characters in there. And there's a, a younger characters running around as well. And then the same way, I want you know the type of ethnicities that are there in real life where my stories are set and this is London so it's, it really can't be all white mm. but they and but I, I do very much agree that if it's a story where you're focusing on that person of colour's ethnicity and it is about that particularly then that's not my not me that's I shouldn't be the person writing that because that is definitely not my story you might have another writer who's white who could do it because the way they their world is very different to mine but mine must be predominantly white growing up so I'm just not in a position or should I I shouldn't write that kind of story but yeah so that that that's kind of my approach at the moment mm. that I, I want to see yeah. my book represent the real world but there will be some kind of stories that I, I shouldn't be writing but this one's a romance and this character, I, I do have to show her family. She is a person of colour. She's um black mother, white father, and has a wonderful grandmother in her life as, as well. I didn't want her to be just this isolated mm-hmm. <laughs> character. I did need to go into her family and her background and also have people react to her in a way that reflected how they saw her as well in terms of race. I did, But it's only touched on in a way that I hope is realistic rather than trespassing on to appropriating other people's stories. Mm. It's, so that that's, after being around the house, it's quite a lot of thinking about it, actually, and, and that that's where I think I should write at the moment. But again, like I say, it's more I hear, more I talk to people, I might change my mind on what kind of stories I should be writing, you know, I, either way. Mm. It's interesting that you say that because Jane Alden, one of my guests, she grew up in the South, and her first book called Jobina's Blues also has uh, African-American characters. She She knew a lot of people of color and it was interesting when I asked her the same question about any backlash or so and so far she said to me she only got positive feedback and she also had a lot of beta readers, women of color and since it was a book which is partly set uh, shortly after World War One, she also had people who were in the army who helped her with the language and such and the questions and so far she only got back, like I said, positive feedback. Yeah, I think well, that's the thing. I think if you pair it well, that then you should do a good job of it. Um, I, I, this one definitely, I, I paid a sensitivity reader to read it for that aspect because that's definitely one. There, are, I mean, a lot of authors have made um, very big, clunky, stereotyping mistakes, and I definitely wanted. I mean, I. I tend to read a lot more fiction these days by people, authors of colour. There's a lot more available now. It's being published at last. So my reading's much more diverse in the last few years, but there are still a lot of, I look at the world from, you know, a white person's perspective. So I needed that different perspective for this book. So yes, I definitely had a sensitivity reader for this one. Mm. And are you worried or what about the plots? I sometimes feel as if, all the worries about being diverse and ticking all the right boxes, the plot gets lost. As in a book is written about diversity for diversity's sake or rather yes. than it? Yes, exactly. Or let's uh, look at various TV shows. 
we tick all the right boxes, but as a consumer or as a reader or some someone like that, you ask yourself, great, but where's the plot? Where is the story? Give me a story. It's, I mean, I suppose, uh, well, any piece of work still has to be cohesive and hang together. And I suppose in a, in a book there, you can never get all diversity represented realistically, especially where you like have a family. You, If you have a character who is a person of colour and you include their family of all people of colour, then you're going to over-represent that particular race. And, and not represent others, but it's something that is coherent and realistic. So it's, uh, um, I can't remember who the author is, is that when you're writing a piece of work, you're not doing a mirror on the world, you're looking through a window. It's a very small part of it that you're concentrating on. So mm. you can't represent everything in that view on the world. Mm. How important as a self-published author is a feedback from the readers? Well, I don't think from any author's point of view. I mean, I, I, I each book's have several beta readers so it, it's had several lots of feedback before it goes out into the world but it is it's a very odd activity writing these very detailed worlds and stories and then out it goes and you're, or you're by yourself doing that with very little kind of input for what I tend to write the first draft without showing anybody anything because I find it, it derails it for me but then I will accept a lot of feedback and do a lot of changes um, when people do feedback on that but yeah and no, I like to get that first draft done I think I'm not very good at um, summarizing my books I suppose and, and I make it sound rubbish when I try and describe one of my stories <laughs> so people just look at me as if it's just like that well that's an appalling idea so I find it's just best write it down how you see it properly and then read it and then then people know what I'm trying to get <laughs> I'm sorry I've forgotten what your question was now <laughs> how important feedback from readers is no it's 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 lovely and it's vital, I think. Because when you have a bad day as a writer, and it's it's hard work actually. I mean, it sounds silly just sitting at your desk writing words, but it, it's quite emotionally exhausting, and you you need a lot of focus. It's it's quite yeah challenging. So that feedback is vital to keeping going, and you do get really wonderful feedback. People saying they, you know, they, whenever they're feeling a bit down, they just pick up your novel again for the tenth time, and the world is good again. I mean, which is just a fantastic thing mm -hmm. to do that you're this little bit of kind of happiness for someone, which is amazing. That, that's really good job satisfaction. And does uh, the feedback somehow influence your future project? Yes, actually, yes, it can do if it comes at the right moment. I mean, I, I don't tend to tailor it, mm -hmm. I suppose, to feedback so much, but it, it can be inspiring. Actually. Um, like the person who wrote to me saying that yeah, after Mr. Hamilton was a comfort read was a surprise and then she explained that she liked that being hidden away from the world and that's the same kind of feeling I wanted with finding Jessica Lambert I thought yeah I fancy that again actually I want a little bit of a break from the world with just these two characters who are really good for each other so that was kind of nice feedback at exactly the right time when I was thinking of Jess in that car being afraid of all these fans it, it, so that was very serendipitous If you ever got one star review on Amazon. Have you read them? And what was the worst? Worst. Um, um, I do read my reviews. God, they're <laughs> back about. I tell you, um, <laughs> but they're, they're very useful as well. And it, uh, what's the worst one? I think for the, maybe for that certain something, it was a book that uh, the review just said this book gave me diarrhea. <laughs> <laughs> Which just even at the time made me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> What was your worst experience as a writer? Worst experience as a writer? I suppose not being able to get published in those early days it is um, very frustrating and because you don't know why really. But a large part of it was publishers not wanting to publish stories with lesbians in it not being a very big market. But And I think self-publishing has been so important for that because there are thousands of people around the globe, thousands of lesbians, thousands of bisexual women who want those stories. I, I suppose that that kind of those early days where it was just, you know, sending your manuscript out into the, the world, into the void and not knowing why it wasn't getting anywhere. Do you know of any conventions for lesbian writers in the UK? I'm totally ignorant of that. So I'm asking you, are there any? No, there have been, there are the odd fiction events and Bolstrokes have their Nottingham meetup every year. That's just for Bolstrokes though, but that, that's a really good, nice little event actually there have been other events that have sort of sometimes happened like Diva magazine had a, a brilliant event one year but it was just the one year it was a shame it, it was a brilliant event 
but uh, nothing regular. Because for the crime writers, there are quite a lot of mm. uh, events where they come together also for the audience. But it's a bigger market. Definitely, because it's a very small market for lesbian fiction, isn't there? I mean, yes, it is. So, so far, I mean, like, like say, Film YA is, is broadening out the audience, I think. That seems to be the, the, the um, genre that's expanding most. But, um, so, and there are a few romances that have been mainstream published as well. So, you know, it, it might might get bigger yet. Especially since there are quite a few authors who had the luck of writing uh, TV scripts. Mm. I mean, uh, who, who didn't watch Cena? I did. You did. Did you? Oh, certainly. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so Melissa Good, who wrote one or two scripts i'm not sure one for one for one episode or for two 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 episodes because i think the producers also had their eye on their on their fans mm. which i found great and there are lots of good shows in from the uk with lesbian characters yes this is true they are more daring sometimes and they have very good plot lines and storylines when i think of last tank in halifax for example or the latest one gentleman jack yes. so maybe uh, also so I asked you that uh, before, but do you also read or yeah, read mostly a uh, fan fiction? I don't actually. I do, I, it's not a route that I've taken in. So it, it's, it's not like I'm refusing to read fan fiction. It's just not, not been my route into um, lesbic, actually. I know a lot of people who do. Guilty pleasure. <laughs> I have to admit, never thought about writing uh, or hoping to write an episode for your favorite show. No, I, I don't know why. It's just yeah, just not something that's um, just sparked an interest in me. German translation. When did that happen? Because I've looked it up and Ilva published uh, that certain something in 2020. Mm -hmm. And they also published the first, your first book, Penance, in 2016. A different publisher. Yeah, yeah, Krug und Schadenberg. That, that's right, yeah, yeah. Um, Ilfra have done Poppy Jenkins and that certain something. And they've also, um, I've signed a contract with them for Finding Jessica Lambert as well. So that is in 2021, that one. Ah, so Poppy Jenkins is also out in German. Mm -hmm. and I'm really pleased Ilva picked up um, Poppy Jenkins. I don't, I don't know any German at all. I can't read it. It's, it's a bit alarming, in fact, because you wonder what they said, how <laughs> they said it. But I've heard, uh, read, uh, I've had feedback from readers of the German version of Poppy Jenkins. Say it's, it's a really good translation, actually. So I'm really pleased that they took that one up. We always read the English ones. It was because we don't want to wait. Yes, instant gratification <laughs> for us, I'm afraid. Because I found Finding Jessica Lambert on, on Amazon and I said, ah, you won. Got it. Because it's, it's fun to read because at the end of the day, you lay back in bed and... You dive into the world you created. Yeah, and it somehow lifts you up if you read these, not funny, but uplifting stories. Yeah, uplifting. That's the correct word. Yeah, with a smile. You you fall asleep with a smile on your face. I read romance at last thing in the day. I might read, well, I read it several times during the day. I sit down with my kids for their little reading half hour and I'll probably read some non-fiction or a literary piece of work or crime. And then while I'm waiting for them to go to sleep, I'll read a bit more. And then by the time, by the time it's my bedtime, I want to read romance and go to sleep <laughs> exactly, you want something nice to uh, end your day. That's why we love those books as well, yeah. So we're looking forward, we're still looking forward to a producer to take up Poppy Jenkins <laughs> for a rom-com. Fingers crossed. Be nice. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it would. And we would definitely watch it. Yep. yep. With a happy ending. Not what, yeah. What's so bad about a happy ending? I don't know. I don't know. I, um, happy, happy films and funny films are often underrated and I'm not quite sure why. Like you said, what's wrong with happy films and happy endings? Nothing. I think it's more difficult to make people laugh than to make them scared. Is it? Yeah. I mean, it's it's a, a real underrated skill. Comedy is a very underrated skill, I think. And well, romance instead, you have to make people fall in, in love. Uh, I mean, that mm -hmm. is quite a challenge. To make them feel it. Yeah, exactly. It, it, to write a romance so that somebody's swept up in it, gets the world, feels those characters falling in love and the angst, of, like it's a real 
real life, it's not easy to do. Um, especially, it, I mean, technically, it's not very easy to do. And then you have people's tastes are so subjective and personal. It's very challenging, I think, a very under underrated skill. Mm -hmm. Especially also where the dialogue is concerned. People need to feel the emotion when you let your character speak to each other. Yeah, it's, I mean, people do go on about the formula and it's predictable there's going to be a happy ending and things. But that's also part of the challenge that you do have these constraints and yet you've got to make it fresh again and also feel like it could possibly be real, which is much more difficult than a lot of people think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And it's an emotional roller coaster because there's some he some happy things, then there's the angst and the longing and to get to the happy ending. It's not so easy, I think. I think you reach the goal when you, at the end of the story, you feel the characters are still with you. And with books, if you want to revisit them yeah it, it's it's the ultimate compliment if somebody says they reread re my book actually if, if it's on their reread pile that, that makes me very happy <laughs> i can imagine that because that's something you want to experience again you want to want to dive back again into the story to meet them again to listen to them to follow them around i don't know london or, or wales definitely the highest compliment for me with writing is yeah and she says it's a reread yeah i think you've accomplished it. I mean, just to mention it, I'm rereading uh, the, the certain something. Right. <laughs> it's next on my list. Or maybe again after Mrs. Hamilton, I don't know, for fourth time. It's my guilty pleasure as well. <laughs> Yeah, Chloe and Fran is still probably my favourite couple still, maybe. <laughs> It's a big soft spot for that pairing. But again, um, actually quite controversial. That, that's another controversial, actually there's so much controversial in that book because that's um, uh, a massive age gap between those characters, which I didn't think at the time because um, I wasn't that familiar with tropes and age gaps uh, in, in romance. I just wrote it because that, that's what made sense at the time I wanted to write about. But it's, uh, I, was, I was actually closer to Chloe's age when I wrote that story and I always imagined Fran as being the, the most glamorous woman in the world most beautiful and and, and, and being everybody's you know uh, heroine you know and like like a, a Catherine Deneuve kind of figure um so it was a real surprise when people just said you know she's this old woman and it's kind of like no way what's wrong with you <laughs> And have you ever thought of doing a sequel or writing a sequel of any of your books? Or let's say use characters from one of your book and another book and combine them in a new one? A sort of crossover or with three of your books, maybe? Has it ever crossed your mind? It has a little. I don't tend to go back to books and do sequels because I'm, I'm, you know, I, I usually, because I plot my books, I kind of, you know, I've, I've, I've put the pl plot in, the twist, they've gone through hell and back, you know, they've and love their life you know they're done <laughs> they're happy now you leave them they grow old and you know life is dull but lovely so I don't tend to think of it as but I always thought Poppy Jenkins and Rosalind should meet up with Maggie Goodman and the, the lot from Ludbria <laughs> because they're quite close geographically and there's always that temp so that, that's the one I was tempted on I, I would love, love all those characters to actually be real and meet up with each other <laughs> please let them <laughs> I would read it lots of humour <laughs> Lots of smiling with Poppy and the others. Thank you for this wonderful conversation. Thank you for inviting me. You're welcome. We really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you, Thank you. and bye-bye. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as we did and we'll meet again at Book Lovers Companion.